It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I love 40s. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 634 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, January the 6th. I am your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network, where we have team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. We've got the Locked On NHL Network going strong, Locked On MLB for the offseason talk, Locked on NFL if you're a fan of one of the football teams that moved on to the playoffs, like my beloved Tennessee Titans. Shout out to them for uh, taking down Tom Brady. Go listen to Locked on Titans today if you are uh, interested in hearing about the local perspective of what the Titans just did. Uh, also, I'll note Josh Lloyd, who is the uh, host of our Locked on Fantasy Basketball podcast. He is fantastic. He is Australian, and as of right now, he's trying to uh, help raise a little bit of money for the horrible, horrible fires going on down there in Australia. He is going to be running a Q&A on his podcast where, based on your donation, you'll get your question answered. Uh, so please go check out Josh on Twitter. Uh, just Red, uh, Red, Red, Red Rock B-Ball, I think is his handle. Let me pull it up uh, to be 100% sure. But Josh is doing great stuff, and uh, any way we can help out with what's going on in Australia is uh, very important. So yeah, at RedRock underscore B-Ball, go ask a question, go uh, potentially donate. He's got a link there as well uh, to how you can donate for the fires going on down in Australia, so please consider doing that. And uh, that'll do it for the business up top, and uh, let's get to today's show. Joining me today to talk about the... Very nice win over the stupid Brooklyn Nets and some injury stuff and a trade rumor and a whole bunch of other, you know, daily news and notes. It's our pal Vivek. Jacob, what's going on, buddy? Nothing much. Ready to start the week. Um, I tweeted the other day that, you know, if uh, the new year begins on a weekday, that it should remain Jan 1st until the following Monday. So (laughs) today is Jan 2nd. This is the first day in two weeks that has not been a Sunday. It's pretty wild. Yeah. so that, that's that's fun. I, I'm actually kind of like, okay, getting back to regular life a little bit. I was sitting on my ass quite a bit. I watched almost half the season of The Morning Show on Apple TV yesterday. Uh, I, I need to like start doing work again, which is uh, what we're doing today. The Raptors did some work over the weekend. They picked up that 121-102 win over the Brooklyn Nets. Kyle Lowry with 26-4-5. Fred Van Vliet. Uh, directly after I talked about on Friday how he might be costing himself some money with his horrible, horrible shooting, comes out and scores 29 points on 11 of 19 and 5 of 8 from downtown, as he's want to do whatever any sort of critique happens of him on this show. So you're welcome, Fred. You're welcome, Raptors fans, for that. Uh, let's start with the game, Vivek, and then we can get into some of the news and notes from over the weekend as well. Main takeaways from the win over the Nets on Saturday night. Um, main takeaway is, like Matt Devlin said, do not poke the bear. And <laughs> who wants that information? 
Um, but I mean, as far as we're concerned, please poke the bear, poke the bear all the time. Um, because as soon as that sort of incident happened with Jared Allen, um, I will say that was, uh, you know, a little bit shady from Kyle, the way he yanked at Jared Allen's shoulder. <laughs> um, but obviously that seemed to get him going. And then everything after that was uh, pretty incredible to watch. Uh, in terms of a game takeaway, I will say that, you know, we've seen now with all the injuries, there's sort of the Raptors offense when Kyle and Fred are making shots. And then there's the Raptors offense when Kyle and Fred aren't making shots. And that's mm-hmm. pretty much, uh, it seems like how it's going to be uh, till the bodies are back. So hopefully they keep making shots. Yeah, that was funny at the uh, end of the game when Kyle Lowry was doing the post-game interview. Uh, Jack Armstrong asked him, oh, how did you guys break the zone? And he was just like, make a three. It was great. Uh, very good post-game from Kyle. But another note, you mentioned Jack and Kyle, or Matt Devlin with the don't poke the bear stuff. Just an all-timer performance, I think, from the broadcast crew in that game. Jack sitting there just, yeah. like, worrying the hell out of uh, what's going on with the with the Buffalo Bills. Matt Devlin just screaming, don't poke the bear every five seconds. And you made a good point. It was almost as though Kyle Lowry poked the bear himself. Like, can the bear poke himself to get himself angry? That was kind of what happened with the Jared Allen thing. But, hey, it worked. And he was fantastic. And... The, I guess the saving grace of this game is that both Fred Van Vliet and Serge Ibaka left the game in the f- closing minutes with various lower extremity injuries, and it seems like they're both fine, which is uh, obviously very important and good, considering what they're going through injury-wise. Um, in terms of like on-court takeaways from this game, you're right in that when Kyle and Fred are hitting their shots, they're much more difficult to zone up and... It doesn't become the same sort of, all right, let's just put up all these prayers from 30 feet away to hope they go in that it was against the Miami Heat. And they were able to sort of, you know, counteract the the net zones in the the game on Saturday very well. I thought Ibaka was really nice as well. And like that's those three guys are kind of going to carry the day, right? If Ibaka is hitting his shots from those middle areas where it's sort of the soft part of the zone or it's just, you know, the pick and pop that they run, whether they're playing zone or not in terms of the defense. And then if Kyle's hitting his shots and doing his thing and then Fred can figure out how to not go 5 of 18 every night, which he did not go uh, 5 of 18 in the game on Saturday, obviously. Then there are they stand a chance because their defense is still ridiculous. They're still number two in the league in, in defensive rating, and it really is just going to be the half court offense and whether they can generate any sort of positive momentum when they're out there. And obviously, we didn't see that against the Heat on on Thursday because they were as cold as they've literally ever been in their history. Nice to see them kind of bounce back. And really, that like it's such an easy team to analyze right now. Their defense is always good, and if their threes fall, they probably stand a pretty good chance of winning. Yeah, and then over this next stretch, you know, I think it's six oh seven against teams below five hundred. Well, we know they're uh, perfect against teams under five hundred, so this should be uh, a good chance for them to sort of stay afloat at, at the very least, uh, if not, you know, get on a bit of a win streak. Um, the one thing I will say uh, that I've been thinking about is, you know, this dependency on Kyle and Fred while uh, the other big names are out. I, I feel like you've got to look to get. I, I know Nick is looking to get the best out of Patrick McCaw as much as he can, mm-hmm. but I think uh, getting the best out of OG Ananobi should uh, sort of trump that at this point, considering what we've seen out of McCaw. Yeah, there, there was that performance in Boston, um, and he's had he started out the games uh, okay since, but he really fades out after that. So I feel like 
you've really got to look at OG going back to the three we've seen consistently over the course of his NBA career that his best minutes have come at the three um, and he has generally struggled at the four so I think you've got to put him in the best position to succeed uh, and play him at the three whether that means playing Rondé at the four uh, even if there's some spacing issues with as we've seen before with him and Ibaka on the floor together I think it's worth it Uh, we saw it uh, to sort of close that game uh, against the Nets till Van Vliet had to leave. Um, so I feel like that is the way the team should go, uh, despite the fact that they won the game against the Nets. Yeah, I know the appeal of keeping the Rondé, Chris Boucher, Terrence Davis trio coming off the bench together is is nice and all, and it's been a really good three-man group for them all season long, and I think their net rating as, as a three-man group is like the highest on the team or something close to it. But... I still think you can maintain that effect and also not have Patrick McCaw start in the starting five. The starting five has been really bad. <laughs> it's just it's it's not working yeah. right now. And as we talked about last week when you were on the show with OG, the the being at the four seems to be kind of a problem for him. And if you can slide OG in to play the three, put Rondé at the four, and then have Ibaka play the five, you know, the Rondé-Ibaka pairing hasn't been awesome, and that has its own set of issues that come with it, but... I think that's worth trying because McCaw's just not it right now. And maybe if you have McCaw coming off the bench, instead of having like your de facto third point guard as being part of the starting five, if you have him coming off the bench, you can kind of help limit the minutes loads a little bit of Kyle and Fred if you kind of get creative with the rotation, uh, which has got to be uh, paramount because Kyle Lowry played 43 minutes and he's going to be 34 in a few months. And it- it's... It's getting to the point, like, I was pretty okay early on in the season with his minutes total because I figured it would come down once they got healthy and everything, but obviously they're not getting healthy, and it's a catch-22 because they need him on the floor to win games, but I hope as they come into the earlier, easier part of the schedule that you just mentioned that they can kind of find a way to scale back a little bit because we're really running the risk here of seeing Lowry kind of go into what we saw in 2014-15 where he carried the team for two and a half months or, or a month and a half or whatever it was that DeMar DeRozan was out uh, with that adductor injury or whatever it was. And he was amazing, but then by the time they got just past the trade deadline, he was completely broken down and his back with back was withering. And this was before he got skinny, so maybe it's a little bit different and he's been a little bit better with his body of late. But I don't think you want to run that risk considering he's four or five years older than he was then. So that is certainly uh, a concern, and I wonder if maybe they work in some more Terrence Davis at point guard or, or, or just try to find other creative solutions. There's just not much right now. Like It's, it's tough, so that's why... I think the Makata the bench thing kind of makes some sense, as you alluded to. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Um, you mentioned some injury talk. You know, they, they avoided the Fred and, and Ibaka things, which is nice. There's word from practice today that Matt Thomas is going to be going to the 905 on a rehab stint and playing Monday night, which is great. Maybe they get to see him on Tuesday night against the Blazers. Maybe it's a little later in the week that he gets back. Um, what do you think Matt Thomas's role in all this is going to be when he gets back? Because, you know, we, we saw 
the limitations of him, obviously. He runs around like a chicken with his head cut off on defense. He doesn't really have a clue there. He can't stay in front of anybody, but his shooting is very real. He kind of figured out a little bit of like a take one step in on a dribble type of game. Uh, all those weird sort of off backboard leaners and stuff like that as sort of a counter to people running him off the line. That was nice to see. Do you see Matt Thomas being part of this rotation in any sort of meaningful way once he gets back? Or will he just basically be like a zone buster when they really come across a tough team like the Heat? No, I think you hit it on the head there uh, at the end. I think he'll be a zone buster mm-hmm. um, when the Raptors need to make some shots. Um, I could see him maybe if you're going up against a team with a smaller lineup that he could potentially fit in there. Um, and again, if you, if you do go to... OG at the three, and now you've got Patrick McCaw coming off the bench. Um, it makes it easier to work out the Fred uh, and Lowry minutes in terms of sort of staggering them. And so maybe there's a way to you know keep both of them, whether it's Fred and Matt Thomas or Kyle and Matt Thomas in the backcourt uh, for a few minutes. So um, I think that's one way to go about it. But I, I would definitely see him primarily as his own busting option. Yeah, uh, I mean, it'll be nice to have at least uh, some extra just punch from outside, but I don't really necessarily think it's going to be a game changer. You would much rather one of the other three guys who were hurt coming back. Um, And on that note, we got a little bit, I guess, of word over the weekend, or not really, sort of just like implications uh, from Nick Nurse that Norm Powell is likely to be, after Matt Thomas, the next guy to return. And then there's not really much in the way of word on Pascal or Marcus Saul as, as to when they'll be back. Are you growing more concerned here, uh, you know, with those two guys in particular? Norm, it sounds like he's a bit ahead of schedule or what at least we expected when he first got hurt with what seemed like a similar injury to last year. But with Pascal and Mark, like, where's your head at? And how long can they withstand not having them? Because it's getting to be a problem. And I guess with the schedule getting easier, it becomes a little bit easier. And they've been 5-4 and four without them, and they've treaded water admirably. But are you getting concerned about the lack of word on Gasol and Siakam as of right now? So the injury was December 18th mm-hmm. against the Pistons. Mm-hmm. So we're entering week three now. Mm-hmm. Um, without them, I, I, I think with Gasol, it was always going to be a minimum, you know, two to three weeks with a hamstring. Mm-hmm. That was always going to be the case. So, uh, whether that is, so now if it crosses, I, I think I'll start to be concerned with Gasol if it, if it gets into that month phase where we're, we're in that four week phase and we still don't have a timeline. I think that would be a concern. Um, with Siakam, I think it's just, it's it's more the fact that you know you almost feel misled because you know he had he had the fall and then he plays out the rest of the game and then even when the injury reports come through it sounded like his was the mildest because it wasn't even described as an injury um you know i think they just put it as sort of a a stretched groin they didn't even call it a strain or anything like that which which they are calling it now Mm -hmm. um so i think all that has led into you know why is this becoming so extended? So now with him, yeah, I think I think it's more the fact that we just have no idea. There's no timeline. There's nothing to expect. Um, he, he's had a couple of social media posts, which are neither here nor there in terms of when he's going to be back. So I, I think more it's the panic of just not knowing when. Like, you know, with Nurse saying 
again with with Nurse, I just don't know what to believe because mm-hmm. there was there was a time he said you know Ibaka is going to be back uh, the very next game, and then he and Ibaka ends up being another uh, out another week or so, mm-hmm. and then you know I remember last season when uh, at a certain point when the back to backs thing was uh, was sort of growing with uh, Kawhi and Nick was like oh yeah I would expect to see him in a back to back soon we know how that played out so I don't know (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know there's a lot there's a lot that I trust Nick Nurse with I I don't know if injury updates are one of them Uh, so in terms of the timeline you know I I think maybe now he's decided to go the other route where you know where where maybe before he was saying hey soon 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 and nothing happens and now he's gone the other way and just saying hey it's going to be a long time and that way you know it, it's going to be a positive whenever they return yeah i mean it's not like they're beholden to give us the specifics on the exact timeline or anything like that and so i, I get it to an extent and you want to sort of exercise caution and i think the thing that gives me at least a little bit of uh, not I'm not I'm not happy about it. It doesn't make me calm. But the thing that gives me a little bit of peace of mind with all of it is that they have a track record of being very good with this stuff. And obviously, they managed Kawhi to perfection last season. And you know, outside of Damari Carroll, they've never really had any sort of injury where it seems like they've mismanagement mismanaged it. Like they're not the Sixers or anything like that. And so I, I think whatever they're doing is for good reason, and they're you know exercising caution. And I think ultimately that's a good thing because. If they can tread water now, the the games in March and April matter so much more. So I I'm not like panicking that they're not you know scheduled for a return anytime soon, but it would be nice to get a little bit of word just to sort of calm everybody or at least sort of help you build what your expectations are over the next three, four, five, seven weeks or however the fuck long it's gonna be. We just have no idea, and so. I don't know. It's injuries are tough. No one knows anything. We're none of us are doctors. None of us know shit. And probably people within the team don't know everything either. So because groins are fickle and hamstrings are fickle, and it's probably like a moving target every single day. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I I guess this sort of leads into a larger conversation about sort of the, the course of this season and what the Raptors are going to do. We're now about a month from the trade deadline. There were rumors over the weekend that Andre Drummond is someone the Raptors have checked in on. I will get to that in a sec. Um, but just sort of as like a grander picture type of thing. I, I'm pretty sure the Raptors have proven at this point that they're too good to blow anything up and trade their vets. I, I think being 24 and 12, considering the number of injuries they've had, being sixth in the league in net rating, being two number two in defense, on the verge of the top 10, just like a couple of nice games away from the top 10 in offense, despite everything that they've gone through, man games lost injury wise, like they're they're beyond the point of selling off. I'm pretty sure. Chris Mannix had a piece last week suggesting that maybe they're a team that could potentially go by. I don't think it's terribly likely that they do that just because there aren't that many players out there and there are probably teams that have higher designs on on winning a championship this season that might go and pony up what it takes to get a substantial upgrade more so than the Raptors would but 
considering that we don't know the timelines for Siakam or Gasol, and factoring in that, yeah, th this team probably can make a pretty good run if, if everything falls in place and they're healthy by the time the playoffs begin, maybe they could use an extra push, maybe some shooting, maybe some ball handling, whatever it is. Do you think the Raptors should be in the business of adding something? Or do you think they should, like, where, where, what do you think a month or so from the trade deadline should be their sort of stated target or their stated goal going into the deadline? Because, uh, like I said, I don't think they're selling. Maybe you disagree. Maybe you think they should sell off Gasol and Ibaka or, or whatever. But I don't know. What's Where's your head at uh, ahead of the trade deadline as we kind of finally move into the season where I'm comfortable talking about it? Yeah, this is interesting because uh, it's actually something I'm writing about for Raptors Republic in terms of where a Masai's headspace might be at going into the trade deadline. And for me personally, I feel like you know the big question coming into this season was how good can this Raptors team be be without Kawhi and Danny? Mm -hmm. And that to me still remains unanswered because of all the injuries. You know, um, we know they're perfect against teams under five uh, under five hundred. Um, the record against over five hundred teams isn't pretty, but a lot of those games came, you know, either without Kyle and Serge or without uh, Pascal, Mark, and Powell. And so, again, w how good can this team be? I don't think anyone really knows. We know that, we know at the very least, as as you alluded to at the uh, off the top that. At the very least, they are a very, very good team that can get that can be competitive with any team in the league um, on any given night. How that translates over a seven-game series—that's the thing that you want to get a better feel for. Um, so, if there is one thing I feel like I know, it's uh, that this team needs another shot creator mm -hmm. um, if they really want to be a threat uh, to, say, you know, a Milwaukee or um, Philly, or hey, honestly, any of those, uh, even Miami, you know, you, you can see the value of having a shot creator against a, uh, against a defense uh, like Miami. So uh, I, I do think that is one thing that Masai should explore uh, in terms of what needs to be given up to do that. I think that's sort of the tough aspect. Um, I was reading Kevin Pelton's uh, insider piece on potential pieces available, and he mentioned the Raptors potentially swapping. Well, not just the swap, but you know, there might be other pieces that have to be in play for it to work. But uh, Serge Ibaka for Danilo Gallinari, mm -hmm. and I think the thing you have to weigh with that is: Are you comfortable with going into playoff series against, say, a Boston um, or a Philly or a Miami? Um, and a Milwaukee with Chris Boucher as your backup five. Yeah, and so I think that 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 is the big question mark. Um, and you weigh that against the upside of having someone like a Danilo uh, on the perimeter who can create his own shot, who can hit the three uh, at a fairly high rate. Um, there's obviously value in that. Uh, he's got good size. You know, maybe not as bad defensively as people think he is um and so i think something like that is maybe what you're looking at to upgrade uh the offensive sort of firepower because we know that this team can be still really 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 good defensively yeah and i guess the question with that is if you're bringing in gallinari first of all where does he kind of fit and i would assume they'd probably bring him in as like a super six man type of role because i don't know why you would 
disrupt the very good starting five you would assume, presumably have if you're all healthy and you or maybe they just go huge and play like OG at the two next to Gallinari, Siakam, and Gasol. I, I don't know that that that's kind of interesting, I suppose. And and I'm not opposed to an Abaka for Gallinari's swap, although Gallinari does not host a cooking show, which is a problem and uh, and hurts his trade value a little I mean, bit. <laughs> that's on Bleacher Report anyway. You're gonna be watching it on YouTube. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe like we could get like a Joey Cash and Danilo Gallinari like Italian cooking show going for the score to replace yeah. it. I yeah. There we go. Uh, <laughs> uh, live, live from Sugo. Every single one of Joey Cash's Instagram posts is him cooking pasta with his family, so I think there's potential here. So <laughs> shout out to Joey Cash, uh, and I think you might faint if they were to trade for Danilo Gallinari. I could I could talk myself into something like that. I agree. They probably need a shooter, uh, or sorry, just like a shot creator, not just a shooter, someone who can you know actively do something with the ball in their hands to tell help sort of take some of the burden away from both Kyle and Pascal Siakam. Because I still think as good as Siakam's been, you know, depending on the matchup they come across, whether it's Bam out of bio, whether it's you know Ben Simmons, I don't think they can really afford to throw Embiid on Siakam anymore because of the three point shooting above the break. But um, Simmons is damn good as well. Or if it's you know, whoever on the Bucks, if it's Giannis, there, there's lots of guys who can kind of flummox Siakam, at least have a proven track record of doing so, um, that they might come across in the postseason. So having anything to help Siakam sort of leverage the extra attention or just help him not have to do everything against a very good defender one-on-one, I think will certainly help in, in a playoff scenario. So I could be talking to that. Um, I, I guess the other one, too, is the report from Vincent Goodwill from Yahoo over the weekend that the Raptors have checked in on Andre Drummond, as I alluded to. Does this interest you at all? Uh, uh, presumably, money-wise, it would have to be like an Ibaka-centered package, probably lots of picks and and probably young players involved as well. I don't know if Terrence Davis would be on the board. Most likely, I would guess. Um, although maybe the Pistons just want off the Drummond thing and want to wipe their hands clean and just start fresh, especially with the news today that uh, Blake Griffin is likely or seeking uh, the potential uh, season-ending surgery on his knee, and their season seems kind of lost. Maybe they just want to get out of the Drummond business altogether. I have no idea what they want, and frankly, I've never been a Drummond guy, and I don't really think he fits what the Raptors typically want to do on defense. I think Abaka is a much smarter defender at, than, than Drummond is, and Drummond's kind of proven that he's not much of, a, of an intelligent team defender. He can get the block totals, obviously, and is a great rebounder and would screw up that department for the Raptors, obviously, but the, the defense I'm not so sold on. Maybe it's a matter of getting him into a defensive system with help, and that that would help him. I'm not sure. Where do you land on this Drummond thing? Do you think it's... I mean, I don't think it's particularly likely at all. I think other teams probably are more incentivized to do it, and he has a player option, I think, this summer that he's likely to, you know, not not pick up and go become one of the top free agents this summer. So it probably would end up being sort of a rental for the Raptors, if anything. Where are you at on the Drummond thing? Uh, do you even buy it? Is all at all is something that's realistic? Or what do you think? Yeah, I was surprised to see that the Raptors were mentioned among the teams that are interested in his services. I would imagine that the only reason that would be so is because you look at the Raptors' rebounding concerns, they are very real. And so Drummond could help address that. Um, but I think overall, when you look at what Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka bring to the table as a combination, I, don't, I, I, I feel like that's probably the best center duo in the league. Um, and so I would not want to change that, 
especially for Drummond. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm not huge on him, so I'm quite happy with Gasol as the starting center, uh, Ibaka as the backup. Uh, um, I don't know what it is about Ibaka uh, in the playoffs, but he really seems to uh, step up in those big games, and that's I think I think I think there's value in that, and uh, so I think I would be. <laughs> uh, I, I would probably decline anything that, that that comes with Drummond. Yeah, I think this applies to any sort of big man trade. Like, I don't think Abaka for a big man is enough of an upgrade to, you know, to to sort of take on whatever other baggage that deal comes with. Whether it's uh, you have to give up extra things to get them, or the guy you're bringing in has uh, years left on their deal, or whatever it is. Uh, like, it's just roll with Abaka if you're gonna, you know continue to have that two-man center rotation the only way i can see an abaka deal making sense is if it is for someone who can help with the shot creation department like a gallinari and then yeah that is a very much a, a leap of faith and you're asking chris boucher to do a lot as the backup center you're asking ronda hellish jefferson to do a lot potentially as a small ball five and you're asking marcus Saul's hamstring to do a lot and stay healthy for the rest of the season which we don't know how a 35 year old's hamstring is going to hold up so i, I um, speaking of hamstrings yeah um Blake Murphy says that Fred VanVleet is questionable for the game against the Blazers. Uh, missed practice uh, due to a hamstring issue. Very cool. Very cool and good. Uh, he also says Matt Thomas is likely to play tomorrow. A like-for-like like replacement. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Goddamn. Um, yeah. That that. Uh, hopefully Fred's okay. Uh, it didn't seem like a hamstring when he bumped his knee in that game. Yeah. Um, but... Questionable, I suppose, is good as opposed to doubtful or out. So that, I guess at least take... Abaka is healthy. Yeah, Abaka's fine. Thanks to Blake Murphy for giving us on the pod content. Um, yeah, be okay, Fred. Ice that shit up <laughs> and don't go if it's not healthy because hamstrings are, are a tricky, tricky bastard. But I, uh... God, just. Stop with the injuries. It's not fair. <laughs> it's <sighs> it's fine. They're, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll throw I'll throw out the obligatory. It's fine. They they they've been five and four with all these injuries, and they, I'm sure they'll just ball sack their way to more wins if <laughs> if they lose more guys. Um, and as we've alluded to, the schedule coming up. I'm just gonna read it to help ease everybody's mind. Uh, Portland, Charlotte, the Spurs, the Thunder. The Wizards, the Wolves, the Hawks, then the Sixers, but then the Knicks, the Spurs, the Hawks, the Cavs, the Pistons, and then the Bulls. That is cream puff as it gets. So that that's encouraging, <laughs> I suppose. That that is insanely easy. My God. And then they have uh, I mean, two games against the Pacers. Overdue. Been overdue for a stretch like that for a while. No kidding. Uh, they got two games against the Pacers, and then it's Brooklyn, Minnesota before the All Star break, or then Bo- Brooklyn again. So uh, they'll win both of those Brooklyn games against the Coward Nets. The, they got the the Wolves twice, the Hawks twice, the Cavs. Like that, things should be okay. I think, uh, barring all of the players getting injured, which fuck at this point, maybe it's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> I think that's probably a good place to leave for today, Vivek. Thank you so much for jumping on the show. Uh, do you have anything you would like to promote? Uh, yeah, I should have something up for Raptors Republic uh, shortly. I have uh, submitted my Shea story to Complex, so hopefully that's up. Dope. Uh, at some point this week. Looking forward to reading that. Uh, always good yeah. to talk to you, buddy. Besides that, you can follow 
on Twitter at VivekMJacob, and that's about it. Sounds good, dude. Uh, keep up the the great work. You're 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 killing it, and uh, looking forward to more from you very soon. You can find me at Woodley Sean. Subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all the places you get your podcasts. It's very much appreciated when you do that. I uh, will be co-hosting on TSN 1150 on Tuesday morning for a one-day jump in on the, on the chair next to Kyle Mello, so you can listen to that if you'd like from 6 to 9 a.m. You can still buy We the Champs wherever you get your books, and uh, not writing a whole lot. I'll, I think I'm covering the Spurs game on Sunday, so I'll write off of that, so keep an eye out there. And that is going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.